Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode with Anna, aka Swamp Walk. If you were one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now today on the show, we got my friends Joey and Chris from the band Cousin Boneless. And for those of you out there, the very few of you out there who probably aren't familiar with Cousin Boneless, they are a spooky street folk band from Pittsburgh and other areas abroad. We're going to kind of get into that. And Joey also plays in another band called The Hills and the Rivers. And I do want to plug a show that they have coming up. They have a full-length release show coming up this Saturday. That would be November 12th at Cativo, starting at 930 Apocalyptic Dreams is the name of the new Hills and Rivers album, and that band is on a whole nother fucking level. I can't even, I'm not even gonna get into it if you're not familiar with them. They're awesome. We talk about it in the conversation. I'm rambling. I have a really good habit of doing that before these things, but you got cool people doing cool things and a lot to talk about, blah, blah, blah. Just let me shut up, shut up, and get into my conversation. Real quick, though, before I do get into this, I just want to make it known that we recorded this episode at their house. They invited me over. They cooked a very lovely dinner before we had this, and they were great hosts. And I just want to thank Joey and Chris for dinner. You two are awesome, and for everybody else listening, you're going to really enjoy this. So without further ado, my conversation with Joey and Chris from Cousin Boneless kind of rhymes that's tight sit back relax and let's start the motherfucking beat in the conversation never gets good but we kind of lucked out because we were already bullshitting for like a good right. hour or so now we had dinner that was made by this lovely gentleman over here my name's chris and who else am i talking to this is uh joey and what what are you two what what how do you two know each other cousin boneless <laughs> we are members of that band uh, also, members of the Fourth River Music Collective together as Average Joey and Crisp Lake. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. So we were actually just sitting outside talking about how different musicians are sometimes friends with other musicians that are in completely different genres of music. But, you know, they get together, they hang out, they jam every once in a while, and it's cool. Now... When I listen to Cousin Boneless, I hear a lot of different types of influence in it. 
So I kind of want to start the conversation there, just with like your individual backgrounds, where you came up as musicians, what got you into wanting to play, and like what led into like this like awesome mixture of stuff that is Cousin Boneless. Sure. Uh, I guess I'll go first because I'm holding the microphone. Um, uh, I have only been playing music at all, by, by any you know, at any degree for. I guess four years now. Um, before that, I was I've always like enjoyed music, especially like going to shows. Like I was like one of the kids in my school that was like going to like concerts before other people were. Like I got to see like Blink One Eighty Two and Green Day when I was in fourth grade, which was like really sweet. So I like and my uncle would like take me to shows all the time. So I like always like really loved music, but just kind of was like I don't know how to play music, and I just that's not something I do was like kind of my mindset um but when i was going to i was going to school going to college for a while for writing and like was really into writing especially in high school like writing short fiction and poetry and stuff so i was going to college for that and kind of like a perfect storm of things happened where i moved to pittsburgh to to do to be in school and where from uh, from Hanover, Pennsylvania, which is just okay. like a strip mall town. It's actually getting kind of hip now. There's like microbreweries and shit like that and coffee shops and whatever. But when I lived there, it was just like there's two Walmarts and an Olive Garden in the middle, and that's what the town is. Uh, so, yeah, I moved to Pittsburgh and like got out of my nest and met people and like went to my first like real like there was no music scene where I was from. So I went to my first like real DIY like basement punk show ever when I was, you know, in my third semester of college and was like, holy shit. Like, this is what, you know, do you remember who was playing on that show? I do. It was, um, it was relationships. It was, uh, dad's making out. Uh, and I can't remember who else was playing. Those are the two that like stuck out to me, especially the band dad's making out who like, I think I'm the biggest (laughs) dad's making out fan (laughs) ever. I don't know if you're familiar with that band. No, I'm not actually. Unfortunately, just some friends of mine. They like went to the same school as I did, and because they they never played a show actually. <laughs> yeah, they just they would show up to every four shows that they actually booked. Like they're like, oh, we went skateboarding and stuff. Like, <laughs> the show. but they're like the coolest like shit punk band ever, and I love that band. And it was like they're like you know singing songs about being a shithead in high school and just whatever. And this was always like, you know, it was, it was, had less to do with like who was playing and more. It was just like, Oh my God, like I'm in a dirty fucking basement and people are rocking out and getting sweaty. And like, this is like what I've, I never knew. I knew that this was what punk rock was about, but never like got to be there for it. Yeah. You felt like you were in one of those photographs that you saw when you were a kid or something. Yeah. So like that happened. And I took an anthropology class when I was in school that was like, Kind of like I had always been like I like you know listen to No Effects and Andy Flag and like have these ideas about like the government is fucking us over and the cops are bad or something. But I never had like any like tangible structure or facts to those ideas. Uh-huh. And my anthropology teacher was like really cool and was like a major factor of me dropping out of college was like this class that I took where he was kind of talking about these sorts of things and like protestant worth work ethic and then like you know here's how the imf works and like shit like that like kind of like really like oh this is actually a thing that's going on it's not these like lofty ideas like yeah fuck the cops yeah so it's like that and going to my first like basement punk show and then also like kind of discovering initially discovering like folk punk like 
AJJ and Johnny Hobo and shit like that, like kind of discovered all that music right and like, around that time too. This was probably all like within like a year period. Right. Less, yeah, you're less saying. Than that. So it was just like, yeah. oh my God, so much hitting me at once. Right. So like discovering that kind of music, I was like, fuck it, I can totally, you know, I think a lot of people in that were my age at that time probably were like, if Johnny Hobo exists, then so can I, you know, I can pick up a guitar and fucking scream over top of three chords and say what I want to say. And I like already had been writing a lot of poetry and, and had like the words to go behind it, but never, you know, learned to play music. So, so you weren't even like singing or anything at that point. I played in a band when I got out of high school, that was like a really shitty, <laughs> like pop punk kind of band. Okay. Like, I just broken up with my like girlfriend in high school and wrote a bunch of songs about it, like saying in that band. I didn't want to say the name of it because I don't want anyone to no, look that's... it up on the internet. <laughs> it's super embarrassing. But, but that's so that era, like you mentioned seeing Blink 182 and Green Day. And like sure. so that's kind of like what swept you into right. some type of quote alternative music. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like it was like a process. It's like you listen to Green Day and then you listen to No Effects and then you like dig deeper into like, you know. Uh -huh. raw punk shit so yeah uh so i was like you know had this idea of like i want to be like in a band you know like go to warp tour and shit and like fantasize oh, about yeah. like being like <laughs> yeah i want to like be in a band but i don't know how to play music and so you know so i had that like band i was like the lead singer i didn't play any instruments oh okay so you're just singing yeah I was just singing um so but then that kind of like faded out i went to, off to school that was like in my hometown i was doing that and then uh yeah, and then my friend just like it was like I don't use this acoustic guitar. You can just have it. So I went home, back home for like summer after that semester in college, and um, you know learned to play guitar, like just like learned a few chords and wrote a couple songs and just like was like acoustic folk punk white kid kind of guy for a period of like you know six months or so, just like doing that, and then uh, you know did that project for a while it's like average joey started as that and i still do that it's just like a lot different than it was then um and i was doing like solo stuff and then got gifted a banjo as like a christmas present for my folks when i was like 21 years old or 20 years old or something like you don't expect to get like sweet yeah christmas presents like that <laughs> but and i had no like intention or idea of like playing the banjo ever um but they gave me a banjo because i liked steve martin as a stand-up comedian when i was growing up and so they gave me a banjo <laughs> And I was like, it's oh, really Steve Martin, man. yeah, yeah. If it weren't for Steve Martin, I definitely probably wouldn't be where I am right now. <laughs> maybe, in a, maybe in a lot of regards, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then I picked picked up the banjo, and then uh, you know the story kind of goes on from there. Work we can maybe gotcha. get into that more later, or something like how I met Chris and whatnot. But yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Chris, what about you? Where were you into Blink One Eighty Two and Green Day as um, well? Or do you have a, Actually, a different well, background? I had I had the international greatest hits Green Day, but I was uh, growing up. I was actually a Tool kid. Ah, I was like one of those kids that would walk around wearing a Tool shirt. People were like, "Hey, it says Tool in your shirt," and I'd be like, "Fuck off, peasant! Like you're not as smart as me." <laughs> I listen to my Tool songs and be like, "You're smarter than everyone." I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> and so I think that's what really like laid. I think that's what really laid the groundwork for like punk, which is like kind of the same idea in a different ways. Like everyone else is dumb about like politics. I was like, yeah. So, um, it really. Um, I got a guitar when I was fourteen, and Tool songs were too hard to play. Um, when starting on guitar, so like, I I remember playing um, "Disarmed" by Smashing Pumpkins 
like 20 or 30 times a day so I could learn to to sing while I was playing guitar cuz I so I like before I even liked folk punk I was always I was already trying to just be like let me just make the minimum amount of like of like good sounds on this guitar to have an excuse to sing over it and so I just like played these four chords over and over perfecting my Billy Corgan voice and then like uh I've and then I I downgraded even further I found a ukulele uh when I was like when I was 18 before that right before I got the ukulele I'd been in like a like a straight edge um thrash band that was like uh I was the second guitarist on it and I was playing the exact same thing as the first guitarist <laughs> okay we actually weren't playing anything different sometimes I would be in a different octave than him uh and I had this like super sweet like pedal board uh, <laughs> it was like a five hundred dollar battle board, but like playing the shittiest things ever on it. We played with Common Enemy. That was like the peak of our career. Um, and uh, but yeah, so my next band, I was still just like getting into punk or something. But uh, uh, the student was a year older than me, and my, my one of my high school classes was like, "Yo, check these bands out." And he showed me like um, Discord and and Mischief Brew and Leftover Crack, and Mischief Brew really. Uh, struck core with me because like he was from philly i grew up near philly uh so i actually got to see mr for like really soon after like starting to listen to them that's kind of what like hammered it home like folk punk and then um yeah from there my 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 influences started really tightening up i still try like tried to keep on listening to like all the like weird prog metal and black metal and shit i was listening to in high school but it started to sound like cheesier and cheesier to me but it's i still like try to incorporate that those aspects even the cheesy aspects really um, most of the cheesy aspects, of the cheesy aspects <laughs> into, in, into my style of playing so yeah that's about it i feel like on the topic of like influences for our band <clears throat> like when we were starting out it's probably one thing but at this point I've, i like genuinely feel like most of my influences are just my friends bands like in bands that we've gotten to play with. Cause like we've been a cousin bonus has been a band for three years and we've played with pretty much all of our like musical heroes, like as a band, like all the, all the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, even, even that is like kind of different than the thing that we're doing. But as far as like what cousin bonus is and what it, it, it like, you know, strives for or something. Yeah. We've played, you know, in the first two and a half years of the bands we've been playing with, we played with, yeah, Blackbird Rum, Wood Spider, Mallory, uh, uh, Rail Yard Ghost, Days and Days, um, No Man Mountain Outlaws. I mean, the list goes on. I can't think of all of them right now, but if only I had my punk jag, I just look at all the patches that are on. Hoobler? Hoobler, yeah. Uh, so, so just like it's cool to enter a genre or whatever, whatever world we're in. I don't even know if it's like genre, but just like the scene that our band gets to be a part of that it's super accessible and you know, it's a really small world once you enter it. And like, you know, we've gotten to go on tour with bands that we fucking love. Like Chris and I are, we're starting to meet well, the rail yard ghost is kind of like this band that like took us under their wing. And we're like, yeah, like you don't have to be this crazy person to like, just like travel and play music. Like we're all reasonable human beings and we're not like, you know, crazy or, overly filthy you know dirty yeah. is dirty <laughs> dirty is good but like not like you know what i mean like, you have this idea of like you see like the kids with the packs and the dogs and whatever it's like, like part of you is like 
oh, that's scary. And like, I don't know about that. But then there's another part of you that's like weirdly idolizing it. Like there's the like fuck it all kind of attitude of it. But like the rail yard goes to this band that came and played a show at my house when I had a house venue in the South side and stayed at our house for a few days. And they were like, yeah, we're just like people that have fun and play music with our friends and go travel around the world. Like, we're like, Oh, you don't have to, you can just do that. Like kind of thing. So that was definitely like having, having a band that you like, I, like I love their music before they came to play that show, having a band like that, you like put on a kind of pedestal, just like come down to earth. You're like, oh, I'm just making eggs with this, you know, these people that I like idolize, uh-huh. you know, it's like a cool to be a part of a, you know, subculture or something that, that allows you to do that. Yeah. I uh, I mean, it's, I don't know a whole lot about the world or the genre or whatever you want to call it sure. that Cousin Boneless is a part of, <laughs> but it seems like the band's really tight and you're really good at what you do. So I'm not surprised that you're <laughs> getting these opportunities. Yeah. Now I'm under the impression there's a lot of people involved in like the full picture sure. of Cousin Boneless. Sure. I was looking on Bandcamp and I saw a lot of names. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Are those all those people that just played on recordings or whenever you play out, do you have like a whole gigantic thing or is it kind of mix switch between show to show? Yeah. So it's been it's been like a weird back and forth roller coaster, whatever you call it, because like we started as a two piece, then became a three piece, then became it's pretty much become a six piece, but we've at on some tours been an eight piece, I think. Um, we usually at least have me, Joey, and Johnny, like the core of the like the first three members. Um, and then Storm, Storm and Joe. Storm plays bass and, and Joe plays trombone. They've they've really established the core for our tours. They're almost always on tour with us. And then Kyle plays Saw is almost always on our hometown shows. Um, especially the last two tours though. We've had uh, this other band, the Nomad Mountain Outlaws, who've been they, Nomad Mountain Outlaws. Nomad, Nomad Mountain Outlaws. <laughs> I just call them the Nomad Mountain Outlaws. Um, uh, they are uh, they used to be a th- they used they go back they also like have rotating members. Uh, but our first West Coast tour with the Rare Ghosts, uh, they were on it, and uh, this this child prodigy Aiden. Well, I guess not child. He's a grown he's a grown man, but he's young. He's young. Uh, uh, he he jumped in with us and he uh, just like he he play, he plays mandolin and just literally came up to us at a show like the second show he was with us on tour I was like can I play mandolin with you guys uh, I was like I mean you don't know it. I mean you could tr- you know, you're just gonna play along or you don't know any of the songs he's like I'm pretty good at mandolin I'm like all right and he just like hopped in on our set and just like nailed it every song like just <laughs> he was what we were doing it was fucking crazy he was already the best player in our band yeah. <laughs> it's infuriating. Um, <laughs> But that also, I mean, that that situation is actually pretty. It's pretty frequent where someone's just like, "Yo, can we play with you?" And we're like, "Yeah, sure." And it turns out that they make us sound way better. And so, like, we we totally benefit from like from this giant network of people who like who they want to be a part of what we do, and we want them to be part of what we do. And as a result, we kind of like have all these like virtuoso music musicians all like you know, uh, just like coalescing and just like coming in and out of, of Cousin Bonus, which is awesome. It's also like, yeah, it depends on like what town we're in or who's happens. Like our friend Fanny um, plays in a band called Woodspider, like used to play in a band called Woodspider and she was just in town 
and you know a few months ago we we're like oh we're playing a show coming up like you played a couple so- like shows with us on cello you want to hop on and we'll just pr- have a practice together and play cello so like you know people come through town we're like oh we're playing a show hop you know hop on and if we're going on a certain tour and someone's wants to hop on with us and if they played with us before yeah and then also with like the recordings like we'll, we'll definitely pick and choose like from the collective of like you know chris fazio has has is a, a fiddle player for the hills and the rivers and he's played like maybe a handful of shows with us on like different instruments or something but he's such a amazing musician that we're just like chris like come make this song sound really really good with piano or you know come <laughs> play trumpet on this or something like and just kind of like you know be able to like this song needs this who can Start fulfill that gap yeah <laughs> which is honestly like i don't know he's really good at music so you know, <laughs> you know, it's it seems valuable kinda, time it's i'm really fascinated by the freedom that it seems like you have within like the creative freedoms that you have within the music to kind of freely <laughs> put, throw something in there and like it works like, Oh, let's add piano to that. But if we want to play this song live, we don't need the piano. Right. It'll still work. Yeah. Or as if you have a progressive death metal band, it's like, not like, Hey, like you want to jump on guitar for this show? Yeah, we could just yeah. throw an extra guitar player in here. It's not right. going to work. It's like a more meticulous thing. And yeah. it also seems like there's this like, extra like layers of freedom to like the lifestyle and the places where you can actually perform music. Like you can literally perform wherever. Right. Right. You know, in some circumstances, whereas if you are in progressive death metal band, which I'm just going to keep using as, <laughs> as an example, cause it seems like almost the polar opposite of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, they can't just set up and play a show yeah. wherever. It's actually not so polar opposite, though. Yeah. I mean, maybe not musically, but uh, equipment, certainly yeah. equipment wise. But the, that's the 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 most de- deceiving thing about it is like it seems from the ease of like these people coming in and out that like what we're playing is easy. It's actually like it's really oh, yeah. hard for no, but it's like really hard for me. Like it's not that it's not super intricate, but it's like I have to practice like like at least once a week to like be able to play most of our songs like just practice these songs like we have to like to get tight it's just these other people somehow like uh, most of them are accompanying us or whatever but like it's crazy that they just jump in especially with aiden just jump in for the first time and just like, like what's this just like yeah oh you're playing in five four for these three measures and then and then you go back to three three four and like we're like yeah like it's really hard for us he's like no nah, no problem and just fuck and just nails it not a problem. Hey, Kogo. Hi. Uh, something about like the equipment thing too is like, uh, and just like you said, like playing wherever. A big part of our band and how it came to be was um, like busking and and playing on the street. Like Chris and I, when we first started playing music together, would would just go, you know, down and go busk, and that's how we met. The hills and the rivers, who are kind of like our side B. Like I like to call it like we're like their evil twin, kind of their this other band in Pittsburgh. Um, so we like met all of them through busking and that's like a big part of funding our tours. When we like come into a town, if we have the time to do it, we, we will just like come into town, set up somewhere where there's lots of people walking around and just like play on the street. We can make enough money to get some food or some beer or whatever. We can also like promote our show. Like, Oh, you know, someone sees like this random band playing on the sidewalk yeah, and they have a show that night in town. Like, Sometimes they'll come out to it or whatever. It's also practice. Right, yeah. And then we can just, we, yeah, we get paid to just, like, practice. So uh, 
that's that had a big part of not necessarily our band coming coming into fruition and existing, but definitely our collective and and busking is like a, a really huge part of what made us all meet each other. And then people keep coming on like, oh, we're going to the arts fair to busk, and like we get this like fifteen piece folk band that's all playing there, and they can just go and set up anywhere. It doesn't have to have a permit or permission really at uh-huh. all to play and could just go down there and set up and uh and it's like impressive to see because we're constantly playing music together whether it's busking or playing at shows or just like sitting around the fire or hanging out or whatever it's it's so cool to me it's just like diy on a level that is way more diy yeah, yeah. i don't even know how to explain it any better yeah. than that um, super wild yeah, and and I, I'm I'm super happy of, of about being able to play music in that fashion too, because it, it it's like we do it for fun and we do it because we like to play music, and you can I don't know how to say this exactly, but like we get ourselves to play a lot of different styles of music. Like when the Outlaws are in town, we're playing a lot of like ragtime kind of bluesy shit, and then you know with the Hills and the Rivers when we're busking with them, we play a lot of like the old time traditional like really melodic kind of stuff. But then we'll throw in like a cover of like Sweet Dreams. And it's just like, <laughs> usually like that. So, and we all kind of have our own approaches to like what we're going to play when we're out on the street. But, uh, you know, playing with a variety of different musicians can switch us up. So I'm like, you know, now I'm able on banjo because I've been playing with lots of different people. I'm able to play like some of the ragtime jazzy shit, but I'm also able to play like traditional like fiddle tunes and stuff just depending on like who we're playing with. Yeah. Do you ever get the itch to do like some pop punk type stuff again or uh, Chris with a like tool or anything like that? Do you still do stuff like that? I think we're trying to like something on this album. I mean, we've talked about this for a long time too, but something that we were attempting to do, we were talking about this a little bit outside about like having, you know, you get bored of doing the same thing over and over again, wanting to like play different stuff. But we're trying to be able to be like a band that's like, plays a super dark like off tempo song about death we're just screaming the entire time and then also play a super poppy like like cruise control is one of chris's like old old songs that we play all the time and it's just really like kind of like you know yeah it's definitely yeah. finger snappy and toe tapping kind of like thing so like and i, I want to like dig into that even more i think for the new stuff that we're trying to write is like being able to be all over the place so we can play all kinds of different shows with all kinds of different bands and all sorts of different venues. Yeah. And like, you know, I want to be a band that like a dirty basement full of like spiky jacket kids can like get down with and, and headbang to, but also like be able to play a wedding and, like, you know, for like <laughs> my uncle or something, you know, and, and play like pretty tunes and stuff that make, you know, old people and children dance and shit like that. Yeah. So. There's honestly no reason to ever put yourself inside of a creative box. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I do not jive with anybody that does that. Sure. Um, I think the I think the box of like folk punk is like getting tinier and tinier and tinier by the year or two. That like we're attempting to to like I don't know. I think we like that's always like a thing that we're going to be involved in. I think, but like we're we're attempting to like go electric at this point, so we we will have like full drums and, and oh yeah, and so that's like another whole another step of the band is like plugging in and having all of our instruments plug in and playing with full drum sets. Some of the songs we're writing for the new stuff is like requires there to be like fucking cymbals and you know, like <laughs> big shit. But also we can still 
play songs acoustically and just go busking and, and have a washboard instead of a drum set in. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, um, on our upcoming album, we already we already have a, a bunch of stuff written and we have we've kind of we have something that sounds sort of like trampled like turtle trampled by turtles ish. We're about to play um my chemical romance cover set yes. on uh on Devil's Night on October thirtieth at Hollers. Um as um So are you doing yeah. that with like full band electric? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. With full, I, was, full I, was, I didn't know if it was gonna be like that or if it was gonna be in the stylings of what you are known. Oh no, for. it's still gonna be in the stylings. It's still gonna be like it's still gonna be accordion and banjo and all that. It's yeah, but you're be, just gonna yeah, you're gonna have a drum set. The though? Main, yeah, the main difference yeah. is gonna be the drum set. But um, actually, Johnny is. I feel like Johnny. Johnny's really good at washboard to the point where like he's like pretty much yeah yeah he's held back by washboard because he's like actually a very proficient drummer. So we've actually not been doing him a service, <laughs> but, like only having him do washboard. And I, I want us to keep doing washboard songs, like having that versatility that Joey's talking about, but. Incorporating all these different styles, like we're gonna we're gonna rap on the next album. Like we're we're trying to we 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 tightened our our sound really hard on the last album, and our last album was like incredibly cohesive, and like was was like very sharp, and was like this is what Cousin Bono sounds like. And I feel like the next album we've already, like all the material we've already created has just been like let's throw a bunch of stuff at this wall and just see what sticks. And I just like we're definitely trying to experiment way more with like what fits with our sound you know experiments a strong word even it's like we're just making music so it's not really experimenting except that we're just pushing ourselves and seeing like what we're comfortable yeah with. well i think that you know you can do one of two things you know you can either stick with what works and what is comfortable and just like oh, okay people are into this we're getting these opportunities to play we're making friends let's just do this again mm -hmm. Or do we want to continue to challenge ourselves as creators and just do something that we haven't done before? Yeah. Sometimes, like, like I've gotten in the zone too. Like, since we got back from European tour, of like, of like, just like writing as much as I can, just seeing like what comes out. Just like sit down on my banjo and see what comes out. And sometimes it's like sick. This is like a cousin bone song for sure. And sometimes it's like, oh, maybe this is like something I'll put with my solo stuff. And then there's other times I'm like, this is just this song is just something that came out of me, and I don't know what will happen to it. But it's just yeah. like trying to just like press it's, stuff out. Mm -hmm. Definitely, there's always stuff that is doesn't get used for anything, and that's okay. Right. I personally used to be, uh, if I like would write something, I would try to force it into some project and just make it work because mm -hmm. I felt like if I wasn't using it, it was just a waste. Yeah. But I'm well over that now. I'm sure. totally fine with some things just yeah. existing yeah yeah like there's always that uh that feeling where like you'll write something and you think it's really cool but then you show it to people and you realize that you're just being really weird and nobody else gets it yeah. sometimes that stuff just kind of needs to it's stay art. there it's art yeah <laughs> we actually we benefit like really heavily from from having like a like a dual songwriter format we've actually we've been trying to push it to having the rest of our band more included in in the songwriting but having like both of us being main songwriters and living in the same house. It's like really easy to be like, yo, check this out. Like I just, I just wrote this and then we'll like tinker with it. And then we'll see, like, we'll see if we want it to be in like a cousin bonus thing or not. And yeah. And so like, we can just like, just like keep just spewing out whatever, whatever we can create. And then just, and then just kind of like 
edit each other and that's when we're at our best is when we're like editing each other like early on and like and kind of like fine-tuning it when when we're first writing songs together like chris and i essentially when the rail yard ghost came to my house chris just didn't go home ever and just lived in my basement uh and so, so and then we like went on a solo tour together and that's when the band formed uh our friend ben played the washed up bass he's like the greatest washed up bass player on the face of the earth super super talented at playing a bucket attached to a string <laughs> like it's crazy um and so that's like kind of what made our band form and then chris and i are like all right we're gonna be travelers we're like gonna not live anywhere because that's like the cool thing to do or whatever and we're just gonna like go travel and just play music so we did that and but we would just end up bumming around pittsburgh a lot of the time yeah um but we would spend days like going back and forth about a, a line of lyrics or something that's like really like pushing our heads together and like you know figuring yeah i got he, Right. Yeah, I was going to ask about like what the dynamic is as far as uh when you're trading ideas back and forth. Do you find that like you both take constructive criticism of each other's work well? Do you ever like get it, get at it like ah, I really want this part to be here? I think it's And then Chris yeah. is like, oh, "I don't think that should be there." You just kind of like really chill about it. Yeah, what do you, I mean, I think we're getting better at like <laughs> uh, it's it's been a little bit different um since cuz the very first album we were homeless together and uh so like we were every day just like anything the other person was playing be like hey what you playing man like uh and then like if you're writing a song like or if joey was writing a song i'd be right over his shoulder and you know we'd be sitting in like public libraries just because we had nowhere else to go just like working on songs now that we have like our own busy lives and stuff in in a stable situation it's more like you know well I, both of us will will both be coming up with like new stuff and come to each other when it's like you know half done in, in like in varying you know degrees of being finished and um i feel like i feel like i t- i take joey's far more pro- prolific than i am uh so i i take on more of an editorial um uh capacity a lot of the time and joe will just come to me and I'm like Look through. Look, yeah, he'll he'll just be like, "This is what what I just you know what what I just birthed," and uh, just trim off all the extra appendages or whatever, and I'll take take whatever he's got and make it like a like a slightly more grammatically correct thing. Um, most of the time, it's just that I'm just a nit. I'm basically just the English, the ninth grade English teacher of cousin boneless. Okay. I actually don't do anything else. I just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joey said I put whiskey in my coffee. Even hear that. Um, but yeah, so so it's yeah. I I'm, I mean, at this point, it's 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 still. I think it's still fifty fifty with the song creation, but Joey definitely is creating more, and I'm I'm editing more, and then a lot of the times when I create something, it's it's closer to done. And Joey just has like a few like ideas like of how to make it cooler. Usually not lyrically. Usually it's just like because Joey's amazing at like just making a song like just cooler. I don't really have that all the time. Sometimes I just have like lyrics. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, that that is something though uh, Chris touched on before. But we're tr- uh, are trying to like we have all these amazing creative people in our band <clears throat> and like trying to incorporate them in the songwriting process too and like. You know, Joe has some songs he's been coming up with, and Johnny is a sweet writer and has some cool lyrics 
to add to things. And Storm's been working on like some words for a song. And also Storm does like a lot of the art for our band. She designed our last T-shirt and is currently designing our new T-shirt design. Um, so like, yeah, we want to like definitely trying to make it less like this is me and Chris's band and that's the thing. So yeah, that may makes sense. I um, was doing solo hip hop stuff for a while, then accidentally acquired a band yeah. over the course of like a couple months uh, just because somebody was like, hey, like you ever want a bass player? Let me know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But like, I don't know. I don't have a drum. I don't have a drum. Yeah. I was right. like, and then somebody was like, hey, like if you ever want drums, let me know. And I was like, oh, on to something. And yeah. then put it together. I don't know if it's cool to like promote your stuff on your own podcast, but the thing you did with Trash Bag was, uh, was so fucking cool. I love that. That's what made this happen, I feel like, because Chris and I were like riding the car one day and listening to that. We we're like, holy shit, this is fucking badass. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I think, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of going back to, honestly, the beginning of this conversation, like people that <laughs> you don't think might like know each other or that would like work together on something being like i was like i have this idea like i think this will work like let's record your stuff and then i want to sample it make beats out of it it's gonna work yeah hell yeah and it totally did it, yeah. yeah i mean it was in my head it was like but that was kind of like the thing that i think a lot of people might not expect that i mean people that might know me know me would probably totally expect it because i'm a weirdo and i'm into like really abrasive stuff yeah but um I forgot where I was at. You threw me off with that, Chris. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry, you know, you're talking about uh, you had a hip, you start off you start off solo hip hop oh, and then yeah, acquired a band. All I was saying was talking about uh, basically opening up to people outside. Sure. That because like you know I got this band together and then I was still kind of writing everything mm-hmm. and it's like hey like learn this beat that i made on my beat machine on your drums right and this little keyboard line do that on guitar you know just doing it like that but then the next album came around i felt like i had a band now they were right. cu- playing shows i was like so let's let's you know let's write together what ideas do you have for this like right. leaving coming going to them with half ideas rather than full songs and telling them to learn it. Yeah. yeah. And then eventually it got to the point where I was like, I need to give them a name. I can't release this album as Sykes. Sykes right. So then we gave them the new violence name and then cool. That's a sweet that was name it. Too. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Had to, it was like definitely took a, a long time to come up with like a name for a band. Yeah. Cousin boneless is a really good name. Where yeah. did that come from? <laughs> Uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it is a good name, but um No, I think yeah. it it like stands out, like honestly. It's like I think it's more or less It's good for jokes. It's <laughs> at least if nothing else. It, it, but it's easy to remember. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, that that band name came along because Chris and I were on a solo Average Joey Chris Blake tour before our band ever existed and at the end of the night we like knew some of each other's songs and I would play the banjo over top of Chris's songs and he would play some stuff on top of my songs. And Ben was on Wash Tub, and our friend Colby was just like, I need to ride to Chicago. I'll come on tour with you guys and play Washboard. Um, and so every night we'd have Average Joey would play, Chris Blake would play, and then we'd play, and we'd make up a different name for our band because the band didn't really exist yet. We were just playing those songs. We'd come up with a different name every time we played on that tour. So like we had uh, Broken Glass Party, which ended up becoming our first album title, was one of the <laughs> band names. Uh, Cutest Little Knife. Um, uh, which is a, which was, a, a, 
with is the blankets for Laura album now. What other we had? Uh, Hexapus was one. If you're listening to this podcast, do not take that name. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still keeping Hexapus. I'm still keeping Hexapus. Um, we had some other ones, but one of them was Cousin Boneless. Like, uh, and for some reason, when Geisler. we Geisler, we had one. Yeah. Um, and so we came back from that tour. Like, okay, well, I guess this band exists now. Uh, what are we gonna call it? And we like went went back and forth between a couple things and cousin nice. we almost called ourselves boot knife was almost, yeah we we very well could be having this conversation as our band being called boot knife which i don't know i guess i'm actually gl- thinking about it now i'm glad that we're I called cousin, cousin boneless is better but it's kind of i don't know just like enunciating like just the way it phonetically sounds like cousin boneless every time like someone's like what's your band you know if we're busking especially like on the street like what's your band called cousin boneless like what like cousin boneless like all right uncle bones cool i'll look that up when i'm on the internet like, <laughs> Uh, I feel like we've definitely lost some people through that exchange before, but well, I, some people I have an issue too, and actually another reason that made uh, that kind of encouraged the Sykes and the New Violency extension mm-hmm. was that everybody was always spelling Sykes wrong. Wow, I mean, it's just S I K E S. Simple, but it's like I see. Yeah, I get that. I've gotten like P S Y K E S. I've gotten S Y K E Z. Whoa. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, people, I I don't know if it's like this thing where it's like, oh, it's rap. So there needs to be like a funky grammar type of thing with it. And it's not. But uh, yeah, it's gotten to a point now where if I upload something and I'm doing tags, I like tag every single possible way that you could spell Sykes in hopes that it will. Yeah, maybe we should show up. We start tagging Cousin Bonus, (laughs) Uncle Bones. There's a guy now at Banjo Night at the Park House or Bluegrass Night who, like, every time I come, he's like, oh, Cousin Boner. And I'm like, Yeah, I've heard that one before. <laughs> oh, the old, the yeah, the old, dude yeah. The, the dude that I'm pretty sure might be my grandfather yeah. that I've never met. Do you go, you, you go down to the, the Park House? Yeah. Um, I've been trying to make it a point to go. First of all, Banjo Night happens at the Elk Lodge. Yeah, Elk yeah, Lodge. yeah. And like I've been playing banjo for a while, and just like a few months ago, went for the first time, and I was like, "This is fucking awesome." There's like really good food, and these like folks are playing cool old time music. And then like just like usually go there and eat and have a couple drinks or something, and then go over to the park house, yeah, where Bluegrass Night is going on. And we've like established ourselves, I think, a little bit there. So like I'll come in, or Chris and I are go in, or we'll bring like our whole band in there and just show up, and we can usually jump in and play a couple tunes. That's awesome. I'll have to come. I. I'm, I live in Troy Hill. Yeah. And so I used to go over to Park House a ton mm-hmm. on Wednesdays. and I, It's awesome. I, I, I always had a blast. And then the group of people that I went with just stopped going for whatever reason. Yeah. And I kind of didn't. And I was like, I don't want to like hang out in this like crowded room by yeah. myself. I'll let but, you know if I'm oh, yeah, going you, down you, there. You, you might see me in there now. I'll pop cool. in. Yeah. Cool. If you yeah. let me know. I, I always enjoyed often. going there, but it, that's just not a good place to go by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> fun, like, it's ah. fun to go down there and, you know, dance around and have a good time. And we get to go up there and play a couple of tunes. Some nights, like, we'll be really on it. Like, a, a couple of weeks ago, Chris and I went in there and just kicked the door down and we fucking rocked. And, like, <laughs> people were like, hell yeah, like, this is sweet. And we get, we're like buddies with all the members of the Shelf Life who is their night okay. down there. So they we've like become friends with them and they'll you know join in and play play tunes with us. Um, other times it's like you know go and play and it's a good time or whatever. Just, just depends on like if you're hitting it or not. But cool. yeah, I like going down there. It's fun. So I thought of a new 
topic of conversation to kind of go into, sure. which I it interested me because I thought about it. Because I brought up like tagging stuff, yeah, you know, which leads to like the internet and social media right. and that whole world where you know there are some bands that they can't exist without that world being yeah. a thing. But I feel that the world you're in could exist completely without it, possibly. Hmm. Is okay. that yeah, yeah. Is that accurate? Uh, I think we as a band have one foot in and one foot out, which is like the place I personally feel all the time. I have like, I mean, one of the things that Joey and I like first like really knew that we liked each other for was we were both like super Luddite, like, fuck technology, man. Like, like, yeah, we don't have smartphones. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, so we, we like start out that way and like, it, it goes, it goes on. Like we are totally a word of mouth band because we're, you know, we're totally like, we're busking everywhere. Like we, we get, we get people to come to our shows by literally playing on the street and being, and people being like, Hey, what's going, what are you doing? Like, what is this? We're like, oh, we're, you know, we're a band and we're playing a show tonight. And they're like, okay, cool. And then, you know, sometimes they come, one out of 10 people come to ask that question. Um, a lot of people in folk punk actually do master the social media aspect and, and really do benefit. I feel like we're not very good at it, especially Joey and I. We're like, uh, we're very social media inept. Uh, Storm in our band is very good at it. Um, you know, we have, we have what, like 2000 likes on Facebook or something. I don't think that reflects the actual range of our, you know, of, of what we actually do because, I mean, we just toured Europe and stuff. Uh, it's, it seems like, it seems like mostly we get to do what we do, not because we're good at this new world of social media, but just because we like say like, Oh, we're going to do that. And then we just do it. Um, a lot of it had to do with, uh, Actually, Joey hasn't mentioned this, but Joey had like a like a pretty cool venue going right before I met him, where he made a lot of connections, and those connections built on more connections. And basically, without like Facebook messages, I think we would be yeah. dead. Yeah. That's okay. like actually the most important. Facebook messaging is actually the most important thing to us. It's just like a more in more intuitive email system, right? Yeah, yeah. that's how that's how we. That's, I mean. Yeah, to go on, Chris has pretty much nailed it on the head. But like, I'm not good at using. I don't post on Facebook hardly ever. I don't not. I don't have a smartphone, so I'm like never taking photos. There's like a lot of <coughs> times where we're being on tour or doing something. I'm like, this is a fucking sweet thing that's happening right now. Like, but I'll just it just happens to to me in my life, and that you know that's uh-huh. I'm not gonna take a picture of it because it kind of takes something away. I feel like from it, and that's a different conversation or philosophy or something. <laughs> sure, whatever entirely, but um. But yeah, like we book all of our tours on the internet, like totally dependent on that to to book tours. But as far as like people finding out our band, yeah, I think it maybe exists less online as a lot of other groups would. Yeah, that's super neat to me. Uh, it's there's one thing that I kind of hate about certain aspects of the modern hip hop world and promotion is it, it's all internet. You know, there are artists that blow up from being like they put a video on YouTube. Yeah. And that's, they are, then it's there. It's it's something to like get better at too. And I'm not like, I'm not as much of like, you know, fuck that as I was before. Cause I want my band to be successful. I want people to like hear, I'm like putting my life force into doing this. So I want as many people to hear it as like possible. So I'm 
all for trying to get our yeah. name out there by any means necessary. And, and you know, that is a lot of a another, lot of the work is doing it online. Another interesting thing too that I've thought about and I'm interested to talk to you too about is just how more normal and ingrained technology is now because i don't i don't know how old you two are but i'm turning 31 this month Mm, i'm 24 okay 25 okay cool so you probably had like you there was technology was you're in like a weird middle pocket where like you know like i i graduated high school in 2004 which was like the year that myspace kind of blew up right you know and but I didn't have a cell phone until after I graduated high school. I see. Um, and then I didn't have a computer at my home until after I graduated high school. And the only reason I got a computer was so I could record music. Right. But you know, that's things are a lot different now. Yeah. And the point that I'm getting at is like, okay, so like you want to reach there's always gonna be that part of you that wants to reach out to those like 13, 14 year old kids that are into punk. Sure. And you want to reach out to them. But it's going to be like, are those kids now, do you think they're going to grow up as punks being like, ah, fuck technology, fuck this smartphone stuff? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Whereas like, for me, that makes sense because when I was that age, that stuff didn't exist. Right. But growing up and coming into this world, do you, you get the point I'm I trying to, to make? Totally. Like, what, I, I think, how do you think that's going to work out? I think it's, that's an interesting, it's an interesting postulation there. Is that a word? Postulation? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> you also say postulation. It's an interesting postulate you've got there, Brian. Uh, I think that the internet is the internet is a way of like. I think that it teases the part of your brain that's like, look at me, like look at this cool thing that I'm doing, and, and can give can give feel like you're like doing something without actually doing it. Yeah. Or something. Not that I'm like the guy that's like. Do I mean I play music and that's like my thing that I do. Um but I feel like this is hard for me to say. Maybe I'll give the microphone to Chris in a second, but uh yeah, I think it can I think the internet can make the like being punk to be hip or like going to shows to be seen there or or something like that, like you know, the kind of like fashion oh yeah aspect of it like makes that a lot. Well I was talking with uh Derek Zanetti about this and yeah. he was telling me about shows that he plays where there's kids on their phone the whole right. time don't even watch the show but when the bands are done they're buying all the merch yeah interesting or they're you know taking a picture with him or whatever yeah. like I was at the show but it was right. still like on my phone the whole time yeah yeah or I'm going to bigger shows now I talked with Derek about this too because we were both at the brand new concert mm. you know there's people that paid like 50 bucks to get into that show yeah. And they're just like videotaping the, for yeah, who? For yeah. what? Right, right. So that your other friends that are at the show can also see that you're at the show. Like mm-hmm. you're all together. Who are you sharing this yeah. with? And that kind of goes along with what I was saying about like, like, oh, we're on tour and this cool moment is happening to us all. Like this would be a good thing to take a picture of. But I'm not going to be actually experiencing it if I'm taking a picture of it. And that, yeah. Definitely there's like, a the, show there's like the right time and the right place for sure. those kinds of things. If I could bring this to be incredibly droll and textbooky um you got like you got a bunch of like revolutions in human history you got like fire agriculture industry and i would say that this the data revolution is like 
the next big one. So like that's like only the fourth out of like all of human history. And we literally like like we are we are separated by like six years in experiencing that. But even then, we both just saw like the one of the hugest things to ever happen to humanity just happen. And like to to like be able to even understand like the implications of it, like even the fact that you as a 31 year old have a completely different perspective on the way Internet has changed us versus me, who's 25 is crazy and it speaks to how quickly technology is changing totally everything totally because like i have i have a very sim- i have a very similar worldview to you on this technology but you saw you saw it happen as you saw it happen as like as you know like a senior while i was like in eighth grade or whatever you know but like my first band had a myspace account i had a myspace account like all this and like now that we're now that everyone's checking their phones and stuff you know in in we don't know in like 10 years, it was going to be like the difference between like the people are still on their phones. Like those are the going to be the peasants and the people with the augmented reality glasses or whatever. Once Google glass part two takes on or whatever comes, comes to fruition. And then like the true, the true like question will be like, yeah, you're watching, you're watching the, you're watching the show, but you're also playing like fruit ninja on your, on your brain. (laughs) Like, like, a HUD map or whatever. I can't and even imagine yeah, no, what it's going to be like, like in like 10 we're, years. We're like approaching, we're approaching like, I don't know, like crazy, crazy nerdy, um, you know, terminology, like approaching a singularity, a singularity meaning just like technology is advancing at such a quick rate that we can't even like keep up with it. And at this point, like I'm not worried about the people on their phones who are like, who are, you know, more, I don't know, into their phone life. It's just the point where like the phone matters more than even going out. It's like, as long as like, as long as there's this whole, like you build your persona on like where you are and you can tag yourself and you can take pictures of the show and you're cool. Like at least people are still coming out to shows, but like how much longer is it going to be like, I was at the show and when is it going to be like, uh, I watched the show live from this like show bot. I don't know yeah, why I, I think it that it's that. ultimately. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was like super doomsday. <laughs> you know, people were gonna follow their bliss or whatever, and do whatever makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that are just they're into that world. They're suit. They have connections with people online that they don't know in real life, and they would much rather talk to those people in their chat rooms or maybe like a MMO type of thing, or which is a whole nother realm of conversation yeah. that we don't have to get into yeah. that stuff's sweet i've never done it I'm, I'm into i'm into whatever anybody does that makes themselves happy it just creeps me out the way uh bigger companies have found ways to use the technology to their benefit and sure. kind of take advantage of things yeah i remember the first time social media made me uncomfortable was at the end of a mcdonald's commercial and they had like the MySpace logo and like a Twitter logo, like follow us on this. Yeah. And I'm thinking in my head, like why the why? fuck would why? anybody add McDonald's on MySpace? Right. But yeah. that was just like the start. 
Like yeah. a very, very start of like an entirely crazy world now where it's like you can't even – I can't look at a piece of gear online without like any time I go onto it. Facebook. Yeah. It's like that – oh, that piece of gear that you can't afford. Yeah. It's yeah, looking it's, at you. Dude, hey, hey, it's right here. Pickup. It's on your <laughs> – You don't even have to look at the gear online. You can say that gear around your phone and your phone will hear it. If yeah. You have like, if you have like Facebook app enabled – it's listening to what you say. I I had a com- I had the Facebook app enabled for like for like a week, and I said something about lawnmower. I was like arguing with my girlfriend about lawnmowers, and I was like, "We don't need a lawnmower." <laughs> and and the next time I logged on Facebook, it was like, "Need a lawnmower," and I was like, <laughs> "I was like uninstall, <laughs> goodbye." Yeah, and like I think that <clears throat> as far as it's, how this relates to like, sorry, our band or. I think our first album had a lot to do with like being really proud of being a Luddite and like how, you know, technology's ruined the planet and shit like that, which I still am like thinking about those sorts of things sure. pretty often. Um, but it's like, but, but the, but the way that, the way that, yeah, the way that advertisement can creep into your life like that, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's easy to ignore that, you know, it's, you don't have to click on that thing or whatever. Yeah. But it's there. I mean, it's in your and like I would like to live in a world where I don't have to have advertisements shoved down my fucking throat all the time. But it's just like that's the direction we're going in. And going back to like you're you're in a band and you have a product that you want to put out into the world, and you want to get this product in front of the eyes of new people. Right. You know, maybe some younger people that are impressionable. Like Mm -hmm. so, it's like you got to use the technology to get a hold of these younger kids that are coming up and it's normal to them. Right. It's not as normal to you as it is to them. Sure. But it's like, Hey, let me use this technology to introduce you to a world where technology isn't as important, but I still need to use these kind of like almost business like tactics to get a hold of yeah. you. And that's something Cause that I like... need to like make my post in a certain way. So Facebook won't suppress it or I need yeah. to pay. Dude, we're still trying to tough. Shit out. That's oh, really hard. It's but insane. It, that's something like, yeah, I think that our band like tries to toe that line between being like, hey, like you like our music. Here's like the shit we're doing or here's something you might be interested in, but also trying not to. Yeah, it's a weird, a weird. The line trick, to... the trick is if you want to use Facebook for anything, you have to keep it so people are staying within Facebook. Any mm-hmm. type of a link that you attach that takes somebody outside of Facebook. Uh. They're gonna suppress that because Facebook's not getting the money for the advertisements right, right. that are on the websites that you're Damn. linking them to. Dude, it's crazy. I it's like, I don't want to. I just like I feel like I don't want to play this game. Like I don't know. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? But we it have gives to do it, it gives me yeah. yeah. It, it that's the thing is like I'm the same way. Like I want to focus on making sweet music, mm-hmm. but like I want people to hear it. Right, right. You know, I had a music video that I put on YouTube, and. YouTube's a whole nother can of worms sure. because like they put your, they rate your stuff by uh, how like the average view time of mm. somebody's watching your video. And if they're only watching it for a little bit, it gets lower in the rankings mm-hmm. on top of like the view counts and the likes and dislikes. It's like ah. more, more algorithms. Yeah. Sure. It's, but with uh, if you post a YouTube video on Facebook, unless you're like a huge deal, it's gonna get super suppressed. I had oh, a vi- it's Facebook versus Google. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I had a video on YouTube for a year, a full year, and it had like three hundred views. Okay. 
I put the same video on Facebook in three days. It had over 2,000 views. Whoa. Oh, my God. Like you put it on Facebook through the like Facebook. the Facebook yeah video. Okay. yeah on because on your page ba- on your band page you can upload video yeah so I just did that and then cool. ever since then anytime I'm putting out video I'm putting it on Facebook because but people you can't that monetize that you can't monetize no. video the way you can monetize it on YouTube exactly hmm. so that's yeah. the thing is like you know if you want to make pennies per view like not even pennies per view fractions of pennies per view on YouTube. You can do that. I mean, you can upload the both. There's lots of people that do, and that's yeah. what I'm doing now. Yeah. But the engagement with any content that I upload directly through Facebook, like if I'm sharing something on Facebook, I just have to put it on Facebook. There's also there's also the the new the new like Facebook extortion of like there's that suppression, but they also like yo just give us three dollars and we'll boost it. You know they have that, that new boost thing. That shit only works for a little bit. But and st- but still they're like they're like it's only three dollars man like like you'll totally yeah. it's it's ba- they're basically just selling like black and milds of 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 fucking <laughs> I, of, like it's not a whole pack man it's just it's just it's just like a little boost like you just need a few more people to see it it's fine yeah that there was uh I saw I remember seeing something coming out about uh Facebook put out some type of report or was forced to put out a report that the numbers that they were uh, shooting out to people that were paying for posts weren't 100% accurate as far as like reaches and stuff like that. And I was talking with this dude, Andre, who's from Texas on the show. He was at, he did an episode with me. He was on Warp Tour just touring, uh, selling his like independent clothing line, telling me about how like he's put like $500 into a Facebook post before. Whoa. And the reach was just like, nothing like oh, and the, the, the post had like 80 something likes and it's we just put, we put, we've, we've put 25 dollars total i think to post yeah like five dollars at a time usually yeah we've, we've probably put 25 dollars total on. did you notice a a, a bump in I your think, traffic I think maybe a, small uh, a, very, a very slight bump yeah uh, it's um it's hard it's hard to judge because like these are when we did it it was like it was like for for like our album coming out right yeah uh, so people like or, or, any yeah, of that but yeah. I was just saying, um, when when we did use the boost for Facebook, it was usually like our new album coming out, which is like would have garnered a lot more attention anyway. Uh-huh. So it's hard to really gauge whether the boost actually did anything. Either way, um, if Mark Zuckerberg, if you subscribe to this, um, you're an asshole and change 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 the way that you do that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. You can, you can edit that out. You can well, edit it to Bill Gates. I can't or promo like... the podcast, anyways. I, because <laughs> with their the way they do the boost things, it's like you can't have an image with text on it. Mm. So, okay, well, I can't say who's on the podcast. You can't make a post that has anybody's name or refers to their gender or age or oh. anything. You can't promote a post like that. Interesting. So I can't be like, I'm here with Joey and right, Chris. Right. I have to be like, I'm here with, like the way you have to word it is yeah. so like, I don't even sound like I'm talking like myself. Yeah, yeah. But I went through a period where I was experimenting, doing like $5 posts here and there, and the boost was good for a while, but then it seemed like it started to cut down. Mm. And I was like, okay, they like, want more. what's up with this? Right. Do you want more money? Right. And then uh just kind of said, screw it. Yeah, it, up on it, it. Is, it is like, a, it is that weird thing where like, you know, it's it's like I don't know. It, 
can relate it to just like using money or something. It's like a thing that I wish was completely not in my life at all, but I have to use it to do the things I want to do. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we have yet to see, like you said about like, like Chris and I were like in this weird, like in between space, like we're like this experimental generation or something about like, let's see what the psychological effects are of all this shit. And just, you know, we have yet to see it. It hasn't been that long. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, again, that's why I'm really interested to see where kids that are starting to come up now, now. like what that's going to be like. Right. What yeah. are they going to be doing? What are they going to be into? Yeah. And are I they even going to like music? What's going to happen? Yeah. I don't know if it is like, you know, as far as relating it to like punk, it's like you have like this like, you know, teenage angst or something. Like it is, that's a valuable tool, I think, of like, starting to figure out who you are and and you know it was like i was when i was like listening to green day or no effects or something and being like you know like i have this general idea that maybe the government is fucking over the people and the cops are doing the wrong thing or something you know but like kind of like can you harness that and it can be powerful and like i feel like maybe just being constant having a constant stream of shit coming into you like through your phone or whatever Facebook yeah. or whatever it is like kind of numbs that down and also you're being exposed to so many things so frequently that it's just like next thing next thing next thing and you're not critically thinking about anything you know I'll, it happens to me I'll find myself scrolling through Facebook and I'll be like holy shit an hour just went by I learned nothing about any of my friends I don't really care about anything that I read yeah I like found a cool article but didn't even take the time to read it because I just kept scrolling anyway you yeah. know it's also it's strange how much of a double-edged sword it is with um, even if just keeping on the punk aspect you think of like Arab Spring and like all these other um, all these other things that were enabled like actual political movements that were enabled by social media versus the way that um, punk can actually be used as like just a fashion piece and how this technology <sighs> just exacerbates that and just makes it even more of a fashion thing now it's not just what you're wearing, but like, like where you're at and taking a picture of what you're wearing, where you're at, and putting online when it could also be used as a tool for actual like political maneuvering and actual and actual change. And so it like I don't know. It's it's almost like a majoritarian thing. It's just like just dominance of the masses. Just like. If you if you actually look at all these uh, these groups I'm I'm part of just like DIY folk punk DIY, DIY this DIY that it's really just like check out this vest I made with all these patches on it and they, it's like that's what people are paying attention to yeah it's like that like we'll we'll put like we'll post like hey check out this music we made and it's like no one cares and then it's like yo check out this you know this crass this crass patch I just put on a vest and it's like 100 likes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I had to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a nice thing, though, about about busking and, like, like I, I feel good about our collective and our group of being, like, you know, sometimes, like, I'm like, man, like, we're the real fucking deal. We're, like, hitting the streets and, like, playing, you know, whatever, like, get this kind of attitude about it. But it's kind of, like, you know, that's... I feel like where the, you know, people who don't, it didn't expect, they didn't come to your show, they didn't expect to see music today. They're just like regular ass people. They're not punks. They're not whatever alternative folks necessarily yeah. at the time, but they're just walking by and they see your dirty ass sitting on the corner playing banjo and like, be, you know, 
we're a pretty good band. When we're busking. We got some songs that we can impress some normal people with. You know, what yeah. I mean? And and having that, like, I, that's why I love that thing of it. Is like, you're gonna fucking hear what we have to say, and you didn't. You're just going to get your vegetables for the week in yeah. the strip district. But you're like, here we are, like, in your face about it, and and some people are look at us funny and some people are like fuck yeah this is cool like here's a dollar you know so i was in uh i'm gonna we can we're gonna wrap this up in a minute we've we've hit our hour mark which is where i like to cut okay but i was in manhattan in washington square park uh, a couple years ago and i was like i heard some like i heard some beats i was like what's going on and there is this little asian kid sitting on the ground that had like an mpc hooked up to a battery powered thing it was like busking with beats. He was this kid yeah. from Japan yeah. who was just in New York City just like playing beats. And he was super, super cool. cool. And it was like – I was like, whoa. Like I never even like thought about like, you know, there are – you can do this with other types of, sure, sure. you know, uh, mediums. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a weird like technology uh, favored – busking yeah yeah that's you know cool. and it was just like he's just like here from another the other side of the world mm-hmm. just wants to share his music yeah. and then like there he is on the just like channel. yeah just like playing live beats it was so cool yeah um if we're, if we're gonna wrap up soon there's a couple of things i just wanted to yeah say no about, yeah yeah about, any drop 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 the knowledge yeah. for I the just, folks I just, I just, I just say regarding that oh before, sure yeah. yeah um i just want to say there was this guy in new orleans who uh he was a small guy He's like smaller than any of us, probably like five four. He had a full operating um, Transformers Bumblebee costume, uh, like where he would like he would be walking around like with an articulated Bumblebee thing, and then he would get down and like untransform into like an RC car, and then just do circles, just like just like as as a as a as a tiny little fucking was it Dodge Camaro. Or Chevy Camaro, Chevy Camaro, yeah. So he like do this and he'd get back up and dance. He made no money because because New Orleans is a tough is a tough place. Yeah. But yeah, no, I just want to say like that was that was the most technological thing I ever saw. <laughs> I was like, I was like, because he like you know he was like he was like controlling that little car while he was like con- like he had to be a contortion artist. He had to. <laughs> have built built that thing and be able to operate it like it like so much is going into that yeah okay you can plug all our shit now (laughs) i just wanted to talk about the collective for a minute oh yeah you know there was a couple times where i was like oh i think this might have something to do with the collective we should rope that in and then we just went off that's okay that's good conversation yeah yeah um so like we're a part of this thing called the fourth river music collective which was born out of like busking and uh kind of like i was talking about the hills and the rivers um we kind of like started that by being like our band in the hills and rivers we were touring together we put out a split together a long time ago a few years ago and um there were solo projects that were kind of also involved in that like the mandolin player in the hills and rivers plays in a band called the jack of spades and i had my solo project chris has his solo project and there's all these different like kind of side projects coming off of it so at this point it's become I think the Fourth River Music Collective has like been a real tangible thing for like probably a year and a half or so, um, where we're releasing things under that umbrella, and you know it's not necessarily a label, but it's just like this group of friends. So it's like 
our band in the hills and rivers but also all these other people so we've have got we've got like 15 artists or something it's a network right essentially yeah and there's people who have like lived in pittsburgh but moved away and people who weren't from pittsburgh but moved here that are part of it um and kind of talking back about like our influences being like my friend's music i mean the i genuinely fucking love all the music that's underneath the fourth river umbrella so that's like on we put out a compilation last last december um and it's 16 different artists 32 songs and you can like sample them out and like you probably won't like all of them but you'll probably definitely like something on it so that's worth checking out fourth river music collective has a band camp and also just wanted to like say this real quick um i play the banjo in the hills and the rivers too and they're about to release a new album coming out november 12th we're having the release show at cativo uh i was like living with living at the hillstead which is like little like homestead area home base for for that band uh and in the studio a lot for working on that album uh, and it's going to be really fucking good and i'm like really excited about how it sounds and i think it's going to be like a thing that people i think it's like a unique thing and it like really hits in stride with like what that band is potentially able to do <clears throat> i think it's going to sound really really good so it's called apocalyptic dreams the hills and the rivers it's coming out on november 12th they're having the release show at cativo and then the fourth river music collective at large you can find on Bandcamp. um where we've got that compilation out on our facebook you can look at all the affiliated bands and like find all their individual band camps but it's just something I want to like emphasize. Like it's fucking sweet music and it's all my homies music and it's really, really good. And I'm pretty sure all of it is free on everyone's band camp. You can download everything for free. Um, and we're going to be releasing under that title, we're releasing a busking album. So like we've spent all this time busking and we've got gotten pretty fucking good at playing some of these songs. So we just decided to record them. Uh, we just had our last like recording. live. Yeah. We just like got like 12 to 15 people in a room at a time and just cool. played it. Uh, we just did our last day of recording yesterday for that. So we just have to like mix it together kind of roughly and we're going to put it out. Uh, it's going to be, yeah, Fourth River Music Collective, like Pittsburgh Street Folk Volume 2. Um, and it's just going to be like, there's three different bands. It's Cousin Boneless, The Hills and the Rivers, The Nomad Mountain Outlaws. And and then we have some songs that we just kind of all do together. Um, so that'll be a, like an album of all those kind of songs that you can check out on the internet too. Um, yeah, Cousin Boneless is, as we've been talking about, writing new material. So we're going to be recording that hopefully in the winter, and then a new album will come out in the spring, hopefully. And then we'll go on a big tour after that. Um, I'm Average Joey, so I have solo music you can find on Bandcamp. Uh, write poetry and stuff like that. You can find that on a WordPress, Joey Schuler WordPress. This is Chris Blake. I'm Chris Blake. You don't really want to listen to my music. (laughs) (laughs) It's Chris Blake. You do want to. And you can download it for free and listen to it while you take a shower. Um, Yeah, I think that's all. That's that's it? Is that it? (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say that um, the new Skyrim special edition just came out, and I'm probably not going to do a bunch of stuff for a while. (laughs) Um, And, uh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for having me over yeah, your place. Yeah. Thanks for the food. It was awesome. Hell yeah. Thank you for doing this with us. This and cool. yeah, this was tight. I'm glad so. we ran in- into each other at the Pay Jam. We're like, oh yeah, let's do that thing. Yeah. That's cool. Worked out tight. Totally. And we are done. Scene. And that is all, folks. 
Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Joey and Chris, really, really awesome, good people. If you haven't had the opportunity to check out Cousin Boneless yet, I highly recommend that you do. You will not be disappointed. They are entertaining as hell and very, very talented musicians. And if you are in Pittsburgh this Saturday, be sure to check out, again, The Hills and the Rivers, Joey, the other band that he plays in, having their album release show for Apocalyptic Dreams at Cativo, 9.30 p.m. Yeah, Saturday, November 12th. What What else can I tell you about the show? How much is it? It is five bucks, and it's 21 plus, so don't be bringing no babies to the gig. Leave your babies at home. Nothing against your babies. They just You shouldn't be taking them to Cativo. And yeah, I'll be back again next week with another new episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2016. Whoop. Woo! Thanks for listening. Yep. Okie dokie. Goodbye.